This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, we read these words from John the Beloved. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The passage I just read to you is telling us that there was one almost 2,000 years ago who shed his blood that we might live. You know the message of shed blood is repugnant to many people. And they turn from such a gory sight, feeling that their delicate sensibilities have been outraged. But my friends, the message of shed blood runs like a scarlet cord throughout the entirety of the Bible. But this subject is strangely neglected by a lot of people in our day. And there may be reasons they neglect it. I think one reason they neglect it because they think that we have no sins that need to be forgiven. Or they think that it is absurd to suggest that someone would have to die a vicarious death that is, to die in the place of another. But I tell you with all the love that I have in my heart and in my soul that sins cannot be forgiven without blood. The Bible reads in Hebrews 9 verse 22, Apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, God's used blood in dealing with his people all through the ages. In the Old Testament, God used blood. He used blood to bring about the temporal deliverance of his people when they were in the land of Egypt. God's people were enslaved in the land of Egypt, and they cried out for deliverance. And God came down, and he heard the cries of his people. And he selected Moses to be their leader. Moses, along with his brother Aaron, appeared before Pharaoh. And they delivered the sermon that God had given to them, Let my people go. But Pharaoh's heart hardened and he refused to let the people go. And it was not until God brought plagues ten in number that Pharaoh let the people go. The final plague was the death of the firstborn of both man and beast throughout all the land. And in order to save his people from that devastating plague, 
God instructed his people through Moses to go out into the midst of their flock, find a lamb without blemish, year old, and to take that blood, the blood of that animal, and put it upon the lintel and the doorpost of their houses. And this is the promise that God made. The blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you when I smite the land of Egypt. Every home that had blood on the door was spared the death of their firstborn. But also in the Old Testament, there was the offering of the blood of animals by the high priest as an atonement for the sins of the people. But we're taught in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and in verse 4, that it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away death, or take away sin, rather. And there was not complete remission of sins. Brother Nichols used to say they had a promissory note that their sins would be forgiven when Jesus died. You see, the fact of the matter is this. All cleansing from sin is attributed, directly attributed to the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was slain upon Golgotha. That's taught not just in the New Testament, it's taught in the Old Testament as well. For example, in the book of Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1, in that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David for sin and uncleanness. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all of their guilty stains. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah wrote, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form to comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Jesus died for sin. In the New Testament, in Matthew the 26th chapter and verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament which was shed for many. Why, Jesus? For the remission of sins. In Ephesians, the first chapter and verse 7, Paul wrote, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. 
And then in Ephesians 2 verse 13, there the Bible says that you who sometimes were afar off were made nigh, that is near, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. That people can draw near to God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Well, Peter, if you can't be redeemed with silver and gold, those precious things like silver and like gold, how are we redeemed? Verse 19, But by the precious blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Then in Romans the 5th chapter, verses 8 and 9, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more then, being, listen to him now, listen, being justified by his blood, we are saved from wrath through him. All people who go to heaven one day will go because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus shed his blood to keep us pure and clean every day of our lives. You know, when Jesus shed his blood, he shed his blood to cleanse us of all of our past sins. Isn't it a wonderful thing, and a comforting thing to know that when you're Obey the gospel by believing and repenting and confessing your faith and being baptized. And when you come up out of that water, that all of your sins of the past have been forgiven. But what about your daily sins now for the rest of your life? And that's where 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 comes in. Listen to him. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us. I'm putting emphasis on cleanseth. That suggests that there is a constant, continual cleansing of sin. But there is a condition to that if we walk in the light. As long as we're in fellowship with God, in fellowship with Jesus, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, our sins are being cleansed daily, continually, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The late guy in Woods used to illustrate 1 John 1, 7 like this with a, as a windshield wiper. He said if you get in the rain, you turn the wipers on. And the wipers are keeping your windshield clean. That's walking in the light. That's walking in the light. But if you turn the wipers, the knob and turn the wipers off, then you're no longer getting your windshield clean. And when you get out of the light, your sins are not being cleansed. Well, someone says, what do I have to do to get back in the light? What must I do that I get back in fellowship with God, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fellowship with Jesus? Well, verse 9 of 1 John 1 is the answer. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thought that even when we turn our backs on the Lord for a time. And no doubt I'm speaking to someone right now who, who've done that. You may not be doing it now, but I, I've known of people who were out of the church maybe 15 or 20 years. 
They turned their back on the Lord. I'm thinking a good friend of mine right now who had turned his back on the church for many, many years. And he came to my office one day and, and he told me something he wanted to do for the church. I said, well, let me do something for you. And you need to get your life right with God and you need to get back in the church. And you know what he did? He confessed his sins and he got back in fellowship with God. His sins then are being cleansed. And I can say for this with certainty that he's still walking in the light. He's still walking in the light. Are Christians perfect? Absolutely not. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves as Christians if we think that we can live lives of perfection. The only way we can live without sin in our life is by the constant cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ as we walk in the light. So it's meant for our daily sins. But you know, when I think about the cross of Christ, I think about the love of God. I just think about the, the, the love that God had for mankind. And, and words fail me when I want to try to talk to you about the love of God. Who can explain it? Who can adequately describe His love? I cannot. I'll be honest with you. Jesus put it like this, For God so loved the world that, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'll tell you two things. Number one, God loves you. Number two, without that love, we'd all be lost. Listen to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own People, the, the church is blood bought. The church is composed of people who are blood bought. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, the question is asked, Sir, what are these and whence came they? Sir, the, say, and they said, Sir, thou knowest. Th these are they that came out of the great tribulation, had their robes washed and, and made white in the blood of the Lamb. And the church is composed of people who have been washed in Jesus' blood. Revelation 1 says, says, Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Years ago, there was a preacher in, that was speaking in a coliseum out in Texas to teenagers. And he stood up and he told them, We've sort of made an end run around the church. That's back in the day when there was this anti-establishment, anti-church movement that was moving around the country. You don't make an in-run around the church without in-running around the blood of Jesus. You don't make an in-run around the church without making an in-run around the head of the church, and that's Jesus. No, the church is important. 
And I would urge you to become a member of that blood-bought institution. And he will add you to his body today. Well, somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I, I appreciate that, but I, I'm just not sure what I need to do to be saved, that to become a member of that body. Well, that, that's a fair question you've asked, and I want to try to answer it best I can. In order to be saved, in order to have the Lord add you to his body, in one simple sentence, you must obey Jesus. And Hebrews 5, 8 and 9 says, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered to be made perfect, and became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So if you want to be saved, you've got to obey Jesus. Uh, well, somebody said, well, Brother Lambert, I thought, I thought the Bible taught that you're saved by the grace of God. Indeed you are. If you're ever saved, it will be by God's grace. God's grace is his unmerited favor. That's God bestowing favor on us we did not earn, that we did not deserve, that we did not merit. God's grace is God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. God's grace is God giving us what we need rather than what we deserve. If we're saved, it will be by his grace. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. There's not one single thing that you and I could ever do to put God in debt to us so God would owe us salvation. He doesn't owe us anything. And it was out of his unmerited favor that God gave Jesus on the cross to die for my sins and your sins. If we're saved, it will be by the grace of God. But that's not really the question here. Of course we're saved by the grace of God. But what must we do to appropriate the grace of God? What must I do to be saved from my sins? And I think the best place for us to go would be to the 6th chapter of Romans. Because in Romans the 6th chapter, Paul tells us how... We are saved from our sins. Notice verse 1 beginning. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we also should walk in newness of life. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I thought you were saved and then you were baptized. Well, we're buried with Christ in baptism. You, you don't bury people till they're dead, do you? you we, we don't bury live people. We, we are buried with Christ in baptism. And then we die to sin. Our sin we're dead to our sins once our sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Listen to Revelation 1.5. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our, what, sins. Then Acts 22.16. Why tarest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Our sins are washed away by the blood, and they're washed away by the blood when we're baptized. You ever had your sins washed away in the blood? When you're baptized into Christ, 
Someone says, yes, I understand that, Brother Lambert. No, I've never been baptized. I've never had my sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. I, I was baptized one time, but I was baptized because I was already saved. Well, that's a reversal of God's order. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He did not say, he that believeth and is saved shall be baptized. So let's not reverse God's order. Let's do it Jesus' way. Jesus knows what's best for us. And we need to obey the gospel by believing on Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith by being baptized into Christ. Someone says, you know, but I, I just, here's something I just can't see, Brother Lambert. I can't understand how getting down in a pool of water and letting a man immerse you under that water and then bring you back up out of that water could have anything to do with my sins being washed away or for being forgiven by the Lord. Well, let me ask you a question. Now, I want us to go back to the land of Egypt when the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. And you remember we talked about that earlier, that, that there were plagues brought, and the final plague was the death of the firstborn. And the people were instructed to put blood on the lintel of the doorpost of their houses. And God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague will not be on you when I, to, smite, to, to smite you, when, to kill you, to bring death when I smite the land of Egypt. Do you remember? Oh, I remember that. Well, I want you to tell me how putting blood on the outside of somebody's door would keep somebody on the inside of the house and dying during the night. You say, that's simple. The reason it's so simple is because the reason the person inside the house, the firstborn did not die, is because his daddy put blood on the door. That's exactly right. And we're to do some things today in this age of the world, in the Christian age, not because it's what the preacher said I ought to do. Not because of what my family said I ought to do. We, we do certain things because Jesus said we ought to do them. And we're to be baptized into Christ. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the fifth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptize into Christ. Well, let's, let, I want to make some comparisons with the Bible. I want to ask some questions. I'm going to allow the Bible to answer the questions. That's fair enough, isn't it? If I let the Bible answer them, would you agree that the answer would have to be right? Question number one. What will give me the remission of my sin? And to find the answer to that question, we turn to Matthew, the 26th chapter in verse 28, where, where Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. What is it that will remit our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, when does that blood give us remission? The answer of that question we turn in our Bibles to Acts the second chapter in verse 38. 
repent and be baptized, every one of you, by whose authority? In the name of Jesus Christ, for what reason? For the remission of sins. We understand that word remission when we talk about a person with cancer. We have several members of the Somerdale Church where I'm preaching right now that are dealing with cancer. Some with stage 3, some that have a more advanced uh, uh, cancer. Now, if one of them came to me and said, Brother Lambert, I'm in remission. I've been taking chemo, I'm in remission. I, I wouldn't have to have that person to explain to me what that meant. If they are in remission, it is because the cancer responded to the treatment and it killed the cancer in their body. It destroyed it. Jesus is in the remission business. Jesus is in the business of remitting our sins. And when he forgives us our sins, he does a thorough, complete job of it. You, you see, that blood was shed to forgive us our sins. Have you ever been baptized for the remission of your sins? And there may be some young people that are watching. And maybe you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins. You say, well, I, I've been thinking about it, Brother Lamb. I've thought about it seriously. I, I'm 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. I've been thinking about it a long, long time. And I have an idea that if someone were to ask you that you'd do it, wouldn't you? So I'm asking you, for your soul's sake, go tell your mother, daddy, I'm ready to be baptized. Call your preacher and say, Brother, I'm ready for you to baptize me into Christ. You say, Well, Brother Lamb, we can't get out. We can't go to the baptistry. Well, just do what my 14-year-old granddaughter did recently. She told her daddy that she was ready to be baptized. And he filled up the bathtub. And he baptized her into Christ. If you've never been baptized, let me urge you to do that. We need to show how important Jesus' blood really, really is. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.